Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we tap experts on topics that matter most to the modern working woman, whether you are running the show or working your side hustle. We're bringing in leading female entrepreneurs to share their stories with you. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Work Party. Today, Jacqueline is chatting with two women who are fearlessly and powerfully raising the bar in the beauty industry. Denise is known for traveling the world as a model and is recognized for her groundbreaking movements within the fashion industry. Her work for straight and plus size brands has positioned her to be a leading figure for a woman of all sizes. As a mom to a daughter, Denise wanted to spread awareness about being you and really redefining what beauty means and launched a lifestyle movement called the No Wrong Way Movement with the hopes to inspire people of every walk of life to claim their unique beauty. Jen started her career in Hollywood and quickly began working with celebs like the Kardashians, Katy Perry, Jessica Alba, and Jennifer Lopez. Today, she has over 1 million followers on social and was named the most influential hairstylist in the world by New York Times. She's she's also the founder of Everyone's It hair brand, Why Hair Care, which is one of the very first hair care brands that really launched social first and has created and improved their product based on what fans say and want. It's also a create and cultivate favorite over in our office. We've wanted Jen and Denise on the Work Party podcast for a while, so we're so excited to finally make it happen. In this episode, we chat with Jen and Denise about how they individually started their career, advice they will give their younger self about self-care routines as a working woman, and the path to building a successful brand. Welcome to the Work Party, Jen and Denise. So welcome, Jen. You grew up in a small religious community, moved out to LA at 19, and started a career answering phones at a hair salon. A very all-American kind of story. But today, you're one of the most in-demand celebrity hairstylists in the world, with a client list that includes Jessica Alba, Bella Hadid, and of course, the Kardashians. So at what point, take us through early gen. Like, were you always like, I want to be in hair, I want to be creative, I'm going to move out to LA and this is what I want to do? Or were you kind of just like, caution to the wind, I'm moving to Los Angeles and figuring it out? First of all, I'm so excited to be on Work Party. <laughs> I just have to say thank you for having me. Um, so I was always an entrepreneurial spirit. I just finished Chelsea Handler's book and she talks about how she's going to psychotherapy and she learned all about the Enneagram system. And so I like went to the website and I'm like, what number am I? And it, I'm such an eight. Like, if anybody knows what this I'm is. an eight, I'm too. I'm such an eight. Yeah. Like, a little bossy. I'm very particular. I'm very driven. I'm very organized. When I was a kid, I remember, like, sixth grade, like, Babysitter's Club came out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to start a babysitter's club in my neighborhood. You know, like, always doing something. And, and my parents owned a travel agency. So, like, I traveled a lot as a kid. I helped them, like, you know, stack brochures. Like, I was always, always busy. And then the minute I was 16 and could get a job, 
I got my first job at Little Caesars. Oh my God, amazing. So were you count front counter or what were you doing? I was on the lineup, like making cheesy bread and flirting with delivery drivers. Amazing. Well, you know, what's so funny is like a couple, uh, like a few months ago, I was looking at like Forbes, like most, you know, wealthy women that you probably never heard of. And one of them was the owner of Little Caesars. It was like this woman. She's like female founder. Wait, of, like, I didn't even know back yes. then. Like, I was a part of a female founded business. Exactly. So from the beginning, you've been supporting female entrepreneurship. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I think from there, just like my parents really instilled a good work ethic. My dad mm-hmm. was like, if you want a car, you have to pay for half of it and at the time I was like you're the worst I can't believe it but it really shaped like who I am it's made me um you know work doesn't feel like work it just feels like part of my life I couldn't agree more. And so um, having entrepreneurial parents, I think sometimes really shapes people because they get to see the behind the scenes of things. So one, like, were your parents kind of your, you know, unofficial co-founder or someone that like supported you along the way? Were you able to turn to them when you had questions? Yes and no. I mean, I grew up in a Mormon household. So like my mom worked. She didn't really handle money. I think my dad took care of all of that. But, you know, I, when I moved to LA, my parents were not super happy about that. Mm. You know, I would like ditch my Mormon missionary high school boyfriend that I was supposed to get married to and have kids. And I was never really like pushed to have a career, like a business career. My parents just really wanted me to settle down and, um, I think just get married and have kids. And so, you know, it was definitely like a hard thing for me because my parents, you know, God bless them are so innocent. Mm -hmm. My parents are very innocent. You know, they were like, got married very young, like, you know, straight and narrow path. And they didn't really know anything outside of like our town in Utah. So I definitely like, you know, couldn't really look to them once I got to LA. I mean, when I first got here, I was like, oh my God, there's Jewish people. There's gay men. I like, it was just, it was a whole different world. How so. did you know how to navigate that? Because I think, you know, I moved to New York City when I was 18, like had no idea what I was doing, no connections. And it's like, it's scary. Where did you move from? Uh, Florida. Oh yeah, so, same, same. And my parents, are like car dealers like they don't like totally they're like they still are like you're in PR they have no idea what I do right same but at the same time it's like those moments of moving somewhere where you don't know anyone I think are super defining of who you are because you are just it's all you how old were you 18 so I was 19 yeah so how did you figure it out like what what were did you have like sad nights were you lonely oh, no. I had the best time ever you were like, just going for it yeah I yeah. mean I think you know it was hard because my parents I think they thought it was like so black and white and I think I taught them that there is a gray area that like you know if you're not following the practices of the church you can still be a good person mm. and I think if anything uh, in hindsight now I see my Mormon upbringing was very like safe and we were very goal oriented and it was all about being a good person and loving your neighbor and I think all of those things have stuck with me and I didn't realize it because I was like the rebellious 19 year old that was like moving with my best friend to LA and we had $300 and it was very Romy and Michelle mm-hmm. or like Britney Spears Crossroads. Yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, as I look back, I'm like, I think the reason that I have a career and the reason that I've been able to, you know, work with, you know, caliber of talent that I have is because deep down, like, I just, you know, want to take care of my clients and I want to be a good person and I'm not, you know, I'm not out to get anybody. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that narrative of like, in order to be a good businesswoman or get to the top, it's like, you have to be cutthroat and like, you have to really kind of do whatever it takes to get there. And I think kindness is such an important asset to being a businesswoman. And I think it's underrated and undervalued. And I know that's something that you've really been, you've talked about. I remember, so a New York Times article came out about you. Mm -hmm. Um, That was maybe like, was it five years ago? It was like a while 2016, ago. It was right before we launched Way. 2016. It was a massive article. And I remember just thinking like, wow, like this is amazing. Her story's amazing. And you talked a little bit about that. Like I may not be the best hairdresser, but like people love to work with me and I like show up and I, you know, do my job. And I think that really stuck with me as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think of the hairstylist, it's really 70, 80% personality. I mean, we're kind of like, it's such an intimate job. You're mm. in people's homes early morning, you know, you know, you're hearing their phone calls and you know all their business and we're really therapists in a way. And I think that when people feel like, you know, they can trust you and they feel like you're loyal and they feel like you're not, you know, it's really hard for celebrities. I don't want to, I'm going to get attacked, but it's really hard for celebrities, but it is in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to find people who really like aren't there to take something from them. So I think that that's been something from my Mormon upbringing that I really appreciate that. And also just being very goal oriented, you know, like 
I'm always trying to be a better version of myself. So, you know, let's go back to you're behind, you know, the desk at the salon, you know, scheduling calls to you, like you're doing the Kardashians hair and traveling around the world. What was that hustle period of kind of getting to that place? Yeah, I just actually did uploaded a YouTube video on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's Jen Atkin hair. And you can see I, I went through pictures from like 2006 when I started on my own to 2011 and showed the most embarrassing photos ever. <laughs> but, you know, those years were amazing. I had, again, like when you're 19, you have nothing to lose. And I felt like the worst thing that could happen is I run out of money or I don't find a job and I go back to Utah. But it was you know, it's an interesting period of time because I felt like I was very naive. It could have really ended up badly. Um, you know, I had never, I mean, I dabbled with like partying and, and alcohol and like going out and, you know, discovering like gay men just want to like hang out with me and dress me and do my hair. But, you know, they're just so much fun. And it was just like such an amazing, fun time. But I also like knew that I needed to focus on what like my end goal was and that was to do hair. So, at the time, this was 2002, 2003, I was a receptionist at a salon where, like, it was the hot place to be. It was, like, Brittany Murphy and Winona Ryder and, like, Bette Midler and everybody was coming in the salon. And I remember, like, just noticing a lot of hairstylists with a lot of, like, clothes in their closet, no money in the bank. Mm. And I think going from a receptionist to a manager, I got to really see the business side. And I wanted to learn how these people were managing their money. And, you know, that really taught me a lot about, I think at the time, this was pre-Instagram, kind of the hot hairstylist thought that it was never going to end, you know, so like they weren't really preparing for the end. And so I think I learned a lot during that period of time that like, you know, I was like, listen, I need to be smart with my money. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's so important because I think oftentimes, like if we look at your Instagram, all that stuff, it's like so glamorous and travel and, and fashion and beauty, but you're running real businesses. So tell us a little bit about the launch of Main Attic and then also the way or in way how that kind of all came together. Yeah. Um, well, shout out to Catherine Power and Hillary Kerr at Click Media because you know, we kind of grew up together. I was doing their blowouts, and when they were next door to Chris McMillan's salon, I was just starting out. They were just doing videos in Catherine's closet. And, you know, we've all, there's this, like, community of, like, Jessica Alba and Sophia Rossi and, like, all of us girls who kind of grew up at the same time and, and kind of helped one another along the way. And so 2012, 2013, I kind of had a conversation with Catherine, and I was like, I, you know, I there's just this missing like hair community. Like I wish that there was a place, a digital like playground where hairstylists could learn about products and brands could, you know, reach consumers and really like talk about what they're doing and just really like teach younger artists about the older artists and, and not let, you know, that amazing editorial hairstyling die. And she was like, you need to just do your own, like make it happen. So she helped me kind of figure out like a template. I remember she connected me to a web designer and we, and I, yeah, so I launched Main Addicts in 2014 and it's still amazing and thriving. And we've just signed five amazing hairstylists that I kind of was following for a year and a half on my Finsta. And, um, we have like this creator collective and we are building our studio right now and getting ready to do a ton of tutorials and it's really exciting. Amazing. And so how big is the team at Main Addicts now? So we have, honestly, both teams are very small. Mm -hmm. Like Main Addicts, we have six people, and then we have our five artists, and um, and then we have another team, like a side agency that helps us with all of our branding. And, and then at Way, we are under 40 people still. And do you like it that way, or do you want these to be big companies? No, I love, I love, by the way, I'm so impressed walking through these offices, how many people are here, and it's so quiet. I know. Like, we're a rowdy bunch in my office. <laughs> You're like, it's loud. We have a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, we work at a party. But, um, yeah, I like to keep it really small because, you know, I am all about creating the environment and building the team. But then, like, I'm just a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. I like to watch everyone just kind of, like, grow and shine. And I like it to be an open forum. And, I, you know, I don't have all the answers. And I love that in meetings I can you know, give an idea, pitch an idea to the team, whether it's way or main addicts, and they can look at me and say, no, we don't really love that. And we move on. And I like, 
I just love a collaborative team effort and I like it. I like it small. I want to try to keep it as small as possible. I know it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be hard to do, but I really, yeah, I enjoy the team that we have. So the branding on Way and the launch and everything was so expertly done. Like I remember when it launched, everyone was talking about it. So tell me a little bit about the process of one, creating the products, but two, creating the brand and the messaging behind it. The, the idea of what it was, was easy for me. Cause again, like I really try to focus on filling any sort of like solution to problems. And so Minotics was a solution to a missing void in the hair community. Um, and then with Way, I started doing hair backstage. And it's funny, I actually, my big break, I think, was I, Lorraine Schwartz introduced me to John Galliano. So I got to do his hair when he was um, designing for the House of Dior. So that got me to Paris for the first time. I was like, 28 years old and I was like you know what listen I could sit here and just do John or I can like really get my hustle on so I would take my kit I just told my husband the story he didn't know this and I would go I knew I got a list because it was pre like being able to see the schedule on on the internet I'd get a list of the shows and where they were and I would literally just show up with my kit and I would like bullshit my way backstage (laughs) and like say I was like so-and-so on a list before there were iPads and just go backstage and set up my kit and just start working and there was like hairstylists from Japan and from Australia and you know it was such an amazing mix of like culture there and that was just I knew that was my chance to go to like hair university. Do you think I love that story do you think that's kind of what it takes right is to be able to just be like I'm just gonna do whatever it takes I'm gonna like work my way into the door do you think that's the kind of mentality that entrepreneurs need to have? Yeah Actually, going back to Catherine Powers again, she said something really amazing in a town hall that I watched her speak in. And she said, like, to be an entrepreneur is like using ways. It's like you have to go on, you know, a street you normally wouldn't and take a left-hand turn into a busy intersection and just, like, you know, hope for the best. But that's kind of what it feels like. You know, you really have to have no fear. And you just have to, like, get your foot in the door. So now, obviously, you have multiple brands, you have your personal business, but you also now are an influencer in your own right, you have millions of followers. What has that journey been like? And, and you know, how have you sort of cultivated this community that follows you? And how, how do you approach social media? Because I think you're really great at it. I always watch your stories, you know, you feel like very behind the scenes of everything you're doing at work, but also obviously super personal as well. So what's your sort of approach to social media? Well, listen, from like day one, I I loved Instagram. I loved that it was a free marketing tool. I thought, how amazing. I can put up pictures that inspire people. I can put up my own work to promote myself. And, you know, that also helped me going back to, like, why I started Way. It was because I was constantly having conversations in crowdsourcing. And so for me, after having a couple of deals with different hair brands, I just knew it was, like, a very, like, stick-to-the-script and a lot of male-dominated brands, and I didn't feel like there was a female voice. And so through Instagram, it really gave me the courage to, you know, I'm like, this. we need to have a brand that's, like, digitally connected and something that, you know, feels like woman to woman. And, you know, it was really easy for me to, to look at what I wanted it to be, and I think um, Instagram has just continued, and YouTube, you know, has continued to just help build equity in, in both the brands and in myself. That's not why I do it. I know that that's, you know, the, the I guess, benefit of doing it. But I really kind of just like dance. I, I guess I Instagram and snap like no one's watching. <laughs> so when it comes to, you, you know, you talked about Catherine Power, um, women supporting women. Like who are some women that have kind of helped you along the way or some women that you're inspired by or that you consider a mentor? Oh, my God, Jacqueline, we're going to be here for two hours. <laughs> My list can go on and on. Okay, I'll just go by country, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Huda uh, Katan and her sister Mona and I, I are doing amazing things. Um, I personally, like, in the hair space, I really, when I started out, there were no male hairstylists. So I really only had Sally Hirschberger, mm. you know, who was the first female, like, household name to look up to. And so she's been a great mentor of mine. Um, Sonia Kashuk, I called when I first started building wakes, I just knew I loved what she did with Target and the fact that before, you know, anybody cared about Target, she was like, I'm going to do my, my own makeup line at Target. And I thought it was so cool and, and disruptive. But yeah, in LA, it's like Jessica Alba and Shawnee Darden and the Kardashians, of course, mm. and Kris Jenner. I'm lucky to have Kris Jenner and Speed Dial. Uh, Anastasia, who has done amazing things. There's just so, I mean, the list goes on and on. 
So obviously we're talking a lot about the successes, but we know that behind the scenes, everything's, you know, there's struggles, there's roadblocks, there's all these things. Do you have a specific example of a time where something didn't work out the way you wanted it to, or like you hit a roadblock and that you were able to overcome it? I don't know. I'm so, I'm like such a Pisces. I'm so like, you know, in my own little dream world that like everything's like, and I think maybe growing up Mormon, everything's butterflies and rainbows. I don't know. I mean, that's a good mentality to be in when you're running a company or multiple companies. Yeah. I mean, I think everything has its challenge. I think, you know, working in the salon and being the first one there and the last to leave was really hard and assisting, you know, and making sure that like I was a really good assistant and I was like always making sure that like I was taking care of whoever I worked for. And I think all of it, when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I, now I see why I'm a little tired. Like it's been a lot. That's been the hard part is I think only having the 24 hours. And I'm kind of that person that likes to push as much as I can into a day. But, you know, I think kind of being in, in the business world, the past two or three years with main addicts and with ways taught me a lot about like venture capitalist and private equity and how to now, you know, I take that back. I did have a really hard first couple of years when we launched way it had more success than I thought it would and it happened really fast and I was still working my full-time job doing hair and trying to take care of clients and be really present at my job. So that was a really difficult, hard time because it was like I was up to 1am doing emails and squeezing in trips to laboratories and, you know, dealing with product development and I was so hands-on and didn't have really any support system at the time. So doing the marketing, doing social media, all of it. So that was a really hard time and my husband and I call it the Saturday night meltdowns and I'm not a crier but like I would definitely have a meltdown at the end of the day and end of the week and kind of felt like how did I get myself into this mess and that was hard for me to get out of. Yeah scaling quickly is a huge struggle I think and it's like good problems right like successful all these things but it's it's something that I think like people don't like to talk about because they're like well I don't want to complain about the success but I think it's a huge struggle you know so did you take on funding for any of your businesses or were they self-funded? I did for a way I'm going to be raising for main addicts probably the next six months which I'm now feel like I know so much more about like the way to go about it. Um, I'm listen, woe is me. I'm very lucky. I'm just being honest that you know I'm mm-hmm. trying to also take a step away from like the hustle porn because I think that I've been a big you know part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I've been you know kind of showing my journey and doing so much, but there were times definitely when I was pushing myself too hard, and I think. You know, I look back and I'm like, success to me has never been about money. I just love, I'm really passionate about everything I'm doing, whether it's like working on the luggage line with CalPAC or designing hair accessories, like all the things I do, I am just so passionate about it. But I also have forgotten to take care of me. I can fully relate to that. And I think also it comes from the fact that you love what you're doing. So you'll push, you'll keep pushing, you'll keep working, you'll keep doing stuff because you're excited about what's happening. But there is this, like you said, hustle porn. And there's also this thing about momentum, right? Like if you're not working on something, you know, on the plane, on the thing, doing this, it's like you're not doing anything. And I think that has to stop because it's burnout central. And when you're the boss, like no, you know, unless your husband's amazing, but no one's being like, are you okay? Everyone's just like, okay, we got to keep doing because she's going to keep doing it. Yeah, that's the thing is I definitely, I mean, my assistants and former assistants can definitely attest to that. Like, I push myself to 110%, and I've definitely pushed them, which I hope that, you know, they appreciate. But I also, I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that, like, you know, are you living to work or are you working to live? And I think I'm help, I'm trying to find more of that balance, especially before we have kids, because, like, that's a whole other it's a whole other thing. I don't have kids. And it's a huge conversation. I mean, Alice and Cherry, um, mutual friends of ours, but always are like, all right, what's the timeline? What are we thinking? And I'm like, I, you know, I can't even picture it. I can't picture it. I can't imagine it. It feels so stressful when you're like running a big company. Yeah. And that's a huge problem, right? Because yeah. it's not like, yes, I have the option to take maternity leave. But it's like, what does that even mean when you're running the company? I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we're going to look back on our life. And it's like, I, I feel the same way that you do. I'm 39 years old. And I am just like, babe, every year, I'm like, one more year, just give me one more mm-hmm. year. I don't we just don't have the time. I don't know how we're going to do it. We got a dog to just like help us ease into responsibility and taking mm-hmm. care of something other than ourselves. And it's been the most rewarding thing. So if having a kid is even like, I know it's going to be beyond having a dog, but like any girls out there that are really like wanting to have it all. I froze my eggs when I was 34 mm. and it was the best decision I ever made because 
I just walked out of that office. Listen, it's 10 days of shots. You're definitely hormonal. I went to Target and bought like every muffin pan baking thing. I've never touched it since. But, you know, it was, I walked out of that office and I went to Dr. Andy Wong in LA, who's incredible. And I walked out of the office just feeling like the world was off my shoulders and I could just focus on work. And it's really, you know, it is hard that women, we have a lot to deal with. And I think, you know, just, it's great insurance. I'm a very practical person and I, it, I would definitely recommend doing it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a big challenge. And I think it's also, you know, seeing my friends who are entrepreneurs having kids and like hearing their real struggles, because I think on Instagram, like everything looks amazing. But in hearing from them, like, you know, it is very, very challenging. It's very difficult. And especially because you never know what's going to happen when you have a kid. Like, you know, my friend had an emergency C-section. She thought she'd be back in the office. Like, it's all these different things, right? There's so many variables. But like you said, when you look back at the end of the day, you're going to wish like, you know, maybe not having that Saturday night meltdown, but being with your kids. So it is very hard to like figure it out because I think there's so much pressure on women to be successful, be a good mom, look good, all the things. Yeah. Also, I think, you know, there was a wake up moment for me. I I fainted. I don't know if it was a panic attack, but I fainted. I never, ever faint, but I fainted in December in the middle of the night. My husband found me and took me in and it was like, I was super dehydrated. I'd been traveling a ton. I mean, I probably went over on over 120 planes last year. And it was a wake-up call for me, and it was one that I really needed because I was like, listen, am I going to give myself cancer? Is that, you know, like, this? everything is fine. Everyone's going to be fine. I don't need to put so much pressure on myself. We're so blessed. We're so... I'm reading Melinda Gates' book right now, Moment, Moment of Lift, and I like to just kind of, like, keep things in perspective. You know, like, my problems maybe feel really huge, but at the end of the day... I'm so lucky to live in America. I'm so lucky to be a woman this day and age. I'm so lucky to have my tribe of women around me. I'm so lucky to have a supportive husband who, you know, really pushes me to be the best. And I I don't know. I feel like it helps me to, you know, not complain and feel bad for myself. Yeah, but I think it's so important to also have the, the real talk that you're giving right now because I think, you know, again – health is real. We only have 24 hours, you know, in a day we're killing ourselves to like do a great job and like be inspirational to other women. Like we want to see you succeed. Like we want, you know, women at the forefront, you know, making the money, doing the things. But I think, you know, there's also a a separate cost to that, that I think is very, very real. And I have to also just put in here too. I think that when we think of success, everyone thinks of money. Mm. And it's one thing I try to say when I teach classes, I try to tell hairstylists that are starting out, don't be driven by money. Money is not the answer for happiness. You know, it's, I'm all about having a savings account. I'm all about working hard and having, you know, a life that, making your life better. But I think when we focus on just money and, and, you know, when is enough enough, I don't think it is going to make you happy. And I think Mm -hmm. you have to find other ways to find that happiness. So we're going to end with some rapid fire questions. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're putting me on fire. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're lighting the room on fire. If you could grab coffee with one fashion icon, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Sade. <laughs> because I just, no one has anything bad to say about Sade. She's just the coolest. And I think she's like aged really gracefully. And like, you look at any photo of Sade and you're just like the coolest person. And I remember just as a kid, like she was the reason why I wanted to start wearing red lipstick and like a bun. She's the best. What five items do you have to have in your bag at all times? My phone, a battery pack, Charlotte Tilbury pillow talk, lipstick, my Kai brow, brow filler, and then I would say Anastasia brow gel. Mm, brows, all brows. I, I love have a it. lip and a brow and in my phone, I'm good. That's all you need. Who is your guilty Instagram follow? Shithead Steve and Grilled Cheese and Animals Doing Things. The best. It's my all-time favorite. And there's one that's called Kids Getting Hurt. And they sometimes watch it. (laughs) Look, I mean, I'm here for it. (laughs) How would your work wife describe you? My work wife? Yeah. Well, that would be Mary Phillips. We spend so much time together. I think Mary would describe me as annoyingly late. Um, (laughs) And I think she would describe me as hardworking. And what's one of the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Jessica Alba once told me, don't let anyone that can't say yes tell you no. Um, and that stuck with me a lot. I think not not taking no for an answer is something that's really like helped me in my career. I think of another really good one too. Getting over someone, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else when you're going through a breakup. 
That's, no, that's a true. That's really good. It could be related to jobs. Maybe, yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Fired. Get right back out there. And what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, God, I get in so much trouble for saying this one, but it was a former agent that told me not to work with the Kardashians. <gasps> sorry, not sorry. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thank you. It was so much fun. Yay. Sorry, my dog growled. <laughs> no, oh, my God. Love, I mean, look, I'm going to snuggle. I'm going to take a photo. I'm so excited. Oh, okay, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Thank you. One of the biggest questions that creating cultivators ask when they're attending one of our events is, what should I bring to the conference? Our answer, always, 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 and without fail, the number one thing you need to bring is your business cards. When you're starting a new business, you need to be able to say hell yes to any new opportunity or connection that might come your way. A great way to do this at professional events is to bring your business cards. Number one, it shows people you're the real deal. This is not something you're taking lightly. You are ready to continue the conversation and you have put in the work. You're professional AF and you have your business card to prove it. Number two, it shows them what you and or your brand are all about. A beautifully designed business card really makes an impact and starts the story that you want to tell. These are just some of the reasons why we're so excited to partner with Vistaprint for today's work party episode. With Vistaprint, you can create truly profesh, unique, and beautiful business cards within just minutes and within budget. Hi, truly within budget. It's just $10 to get a professional connection that might be the game changer that you've been waiting for. I struggle to spend $10 at a coffee shop. It's always $15 or $19. I'm like, what the hell did I get? I don't even know what happened, but here we are. At vistaprint.com, you can upload your own design or select from professionally designed options. Hi, you don't even have to do the work yourself. That's great. You can choose from different colors, different fonts, and even upload your logo and contact info with just a few clicks. Select your paper stock style and quantity that works for you. Choose your delivery speed and even receive your cards within as few as three days. That means if you have a happy hour event next week, you are covered. You just have to order the cards within three days. It's crazy. The best part, if you're not 100% satisfied with your cards, Vistaprint will make it right by either reprinting your order or offering you a refund. I don't know anyone else that does that. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get 500 high quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. I mean, if you change your business name, change your logo, change your color scheme, anything like that, I think you can afford another $9.99. Just to switch it up in a few months, this is a no-brainer. Just go to vistaprint.com backslash work party. That's vistaprint.com backslash work party. I know you guys need to just get those business cards out there. You don't want to miss this connection. So head to vistaprint.com backslash work party. First of all, we're obsessed with your no wrong way movement. Um, and I'm going to set this up for everyone just a little bit, give some context. Um, you launched this in 2016, I believe. 2016. Yeah, it's so crazy how fast time flies. Yeah. Wow. 2016. And back then it was just like literally slogan on a t-shirt. There's yeah. no wrong way to be a woman, like pro women, pro like exactly. feel good about yourself, F the world, kind of like general start. And yeah. so it's so bizarre, like how far it's come. And I know. Like where we're at now, which is so exciting because- so I want to give a little uh, more, yeah, I want to give you some context. <laughs> so you started it and I, and I read this, so I'm going to let you tell me too. But um, I read that you started it because um, it really just highlighted the ways that society tries to group us and typecast women as this is women. This is what women think. This is how women are represented. There's no wrong way to be a woman is what it stands for. Give us a little bit of background about what the thought process was like going into it and when you were starting it, like what you were trying to convey. Right. So I actually started modeling um, back in 2006. And back then it was a very different industry than what people get to see now. I mean, now curvy models are kicking butt across the world on know. You know, TV, commercials, billboards, magazines, everything you can imagine. Like we finally found this like really cool place where we're being accepted. But back, you know, when I started my career, it was always the same question. It was like, how is it different being a curvy model than a straight size model? Or what sort of limitations? What makes you feel bad about yourself? And I felt like the narrative was just so not what it should be that I, I felt like I needed to take my power 
power back. Yeah. You know, stop trying to have people, well, stop allowing people to make me feel victimized because I was right. not that, you know? There you go. I was a single mother who decided to, you know, beat all the odds and go after her dreams just to prove to myself and my daughter that it was possible, you know, that like we were limitless. And how and old so, was your daughter in Okay, so I started in 2006. She was born in 2008. I was a few years in when I got pregnant. So I was super scared. I modeled all through my pregnancy and I was back working a month after I had her. Um, and ever since that, the moment she came into the picture, I just knew that I had like a lot more fire to push for, a lot more things to do, a lot more to prove. I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't want to be a stereotype. Yeah. I just wanted to do me and show her that she can do her. And along this journey, I've discovered so much about myself and the world. And, you know, I, I grew up in Miami. I grew up with a family of really strong women who are, you know, doctors and lawyers and just really unapologetic. So I, it wasn't until I moved to California that I felt the world kind of create this box around me. Right. Um, and when I started modeling, it was because I wasn't getting any acting jobs. And I was like, no, I refuse to like, let this be the end. So I yeah. started doing makeup. Makeup led me to modeling and, you know, the rest is history. But throughout my modeling career, I started realizing the amount of, you know, responsibility that we have for the people watching us. You know, it's not just take a beautiful picture, collect a check, travel the world and right. be happy. Like that's not enough. You yeah. know, we have to do better as a society, as the role models, as the people with these platforms. Absolutely. And so I started getting messages from women across the world just talking about how like empowered they felt when they saw a woman of their size being confident, you know, and just rebelling against society standards. And I started saying, well, that just makes no sense. There's no wrong way to be a woman. It was something that I just kept saying in interviews. And one day it just stuck. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, that's it. Like that is the, the key to everything. Like there's no wrong way to be you. And like why we've waited so long to understand that and wrap our heads around that is beyond me. And I I just wrote it on my iPad. I remember it was like, you know, when you want to start an idea, sometimes you do have to just go for it. Yeah. And, I, and I've been listening. I love your podcast. I was just telling oh. you when we were off, um, <laughs> off recording that I am absolutely obsessed and how you just necessary these tools to create your your business are yeah because there was really no one to say that and or help us out when I started absolutely and so and I know we brought this up before but like the biggest thing that we hear because obviously we're encouraging women to start their own businesses like start your own thing um and you know really go for your dreams which is what you're doing but like the biggest thing that everyone says I'm just like when do I know it's the right time? And there is no right time. Never. You just have to start. There's no wrong way to do it, right? Yeah, like exactly. that's like the whole thing. I, I completely agree. And it's so scary because, I mean, I was a single mother when I yeah. started this, you know, and like I was doing well, you know, very successful as a model, but like wanted to do more, just wanted to connect with those same women that were pouring their heart out to me in DMs and emails. And I just felt in my necessity to do bigger and better, like I said. And so I started in the wrong way. I launched, you know, t-shirts and hats and bracelets and started doing like cool YouTube videos and just yeah. wanted to create content that I felt like I would have wanted to watch when I was a kid growing up, you know, not... Not because there's anything wrong with being that small, beautiful, petite model because I work with them all the time. And some of them are naturally that way, eat more than I do. And God <laughs> yeah. bless them, you know? <laughs> but like there is a need for representation and for inclusivity. And it, it, you know, those girls can be right there alongside us. But we need to show, you know people of all races and sizes and yeah. genders. And, you know, I think it's really a beautiful place where we've come to because I think in 2019, we are finally starting to see that change in media. But when I started this in 2016, there was nothing like that. And like, right. I'm so proud of like how far we've come because, you know, Jamila's got Iway and like, there's so many like, and we love her. Like, your beauty standards. And like, yeah. I just think there are really awesome people out there doing great things and we just need to keep continue to support each And you've each been other. a pioneer of, oh you my were God. a it's pioneer. So and like doing things like that. So I do want to talk a little bit about representation. We've come further from when you were starting your career. Right. Um, but how do you feel the overall pace has been in the fashion industry? And where do you want to see it going? Right. So like... I always want to give credit where credit is due. And like, I do think that the industry has changed much more than I even thought I would get to see. So that's really awesome. I mean, when I started, we were wearing moo moos. Like the clothes we had to model was 
atrocious. Like <laughs> not even my grandma would be caught dead wearing it, you know? And so like now we are, are able to like look, whether it's online and I know we have so much more to grow because a lot of curvy fashion isn't really accessible in stores. And like, that's still a hurdle we will one day overcome. Yeah. But like before we didn't even have options to shop. Like there was not an, an ability to look like our, you know, smaller counterparts. Like that wasn't a thing. Like we had to wear the big ugly clothes because there was nothing or you made right. your own thing. Right. And so we've definitely come a long way. It's taken a lot of rebellious, you know, sisters to like make it happen, which is really cool. And you see the Ashley Grahams of these worlds and you see, you know, the Candice Fiends and the Tara Lynns and you see girls in Katie sports Starino, and you know, Hunter. Yeah, I love her and you know oh my god Hunter McGrady who yes. I'm speaking on the panel with yes um just so many girls have come to light and what I think is fascinating is like I'm 32 and I and I say that proudly because for a really long time I was like at an age where I, I was questioning getting older within this world in this community right and I think models are like we we are kind of always aware that there's a timeline. Right. Um, and up until recently, that was very true. And now you have women like Mae Musk who are like slaying this world, you know? And so I find it really fascinating because the girls, when I started, you know, the Ashley Grahams and all these girls 12 years ago, we were doing all these like e-com jobs and we were like, we were happy to be in the game at all. Right. <laughs> you know, right. we were like, cool, we have a day job and we work at And a lot of women feel like that. And that's perfectly okay. But we saw a bigger picture. We saw more. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool because now the girls who I'm working alongside with are those same girls who got to be influenced by that work. You know, and 10 they, years in. They know so they deserve it. These girls are 18 years old yeah. and they're so freaking empowered and such badasses. And I mean, like, that's how I feel about I the girls on my team. They're it's young and great. fearless. Yeah. And it's so cool because we are so... Like, it's such a visual representation of everything we've worked for. And it's so awesome. Yeah. Like, these girls who, like, five years ago would DM me and be like, hey, I'd love to figure out how to start. And I was like, hey, connect these dots. Like, do this, do yeah, that. Yeah, and, like, yeah. now I'm on a Target with job with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, girl, you did it. Like, yes. This is so <laughs> cool. Um, and so it just goes to show that even a little bit of a ripple goes a long way. And it does. And I, and we feel that in our teeny, teeny, tiny office. And doing what we do, you would think everyone feels that way. But, you know, like... Jacqueline and I are two of the oldest women in the company in our 30s. And it, it is it, it is such a difference in how our mentalities were just shaped going into work culture and how these younger generations are coming in. And it's amazing. And it's because of women like you. Oh, and, and imagine what like right now we're seeing those like ferocious 16, 17 to 25 year olds. Right. But like. Imagine those girls right now that are like 10 and 11 when in like eight years, they're what they will be. They're put up gonna, with no oh, shit. Superheroes <laughs> so coming through. I know. It's very, it's very exciting times. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit, just circling back to that Target drop. Um, <laughs> and so you've had some dream jobs, Target, the swimsuits for all and Sports Illustrated. So with those jobs in the bag, what's the new dream job? Right. So I've been, I'm so grateful. I mean, when I started, like I said, I just wanted to find something that paid more than my day job right. that allowed me to be creative and just not feel bad about myself. And yeah. so this, this roller coaster of a career that I've had, um, has had many amazing highs, has had really like necessary lows to like figure out who I am. Because I think so many times we're only focused we're focused on these like glorious moments. Like, yes, being in Sports Illustrated, unretouched with all my stretch marks and my cellulite out, groundbreaking. Right. But like equally so, like being, you know, told to leave from a GQ job one time was equally as important for my character development. And yeah. so like with all that said, like I had the opportunity to like do an Olay job last year, which put me on like a billboard in Times Square. Never thought I would see that. Like walking a runway show without makeup, like walking any runway shows, like just to think like, in 2014, I did the runway show with Chromat, right? And like, right. that feels like just yesterday. And just in those five years, the amount of change that has happened in our industry just allows me to dream bigger. Like that, those were the things I wanted. I know. And then we did them, right? And now it's like, okay, dream bigger, girl. Because like, you start realizing that like, this is just the beginning. And I'd love to like, do movies and TV and there host, you, you know, who knows, like a couple different things. I obviously I'm right now focused on the relaunch of No Runway, which I'm excited about. So I'm gay. Um, <laughs> that has taken up more time than people realize. Like yeah. it is my passion project. All of my funds go right back into that. I'm Good. self-funded. So like, I don't ever want to have, you know, the burden of having investors in that way. And so I am 
for the first time ever as free as a bird and as happy as could ever be. And so I'm really excited to share what we've been working on. I've finally got my own little baby team, which I'm super excited Tell about. Tell us about that. Well, like before it was all me, right? And like, right. I was super proud of that. But like, as anyone who's tried to start a business knows, it's absolutely impossible to do alone. And so I finally found my key players, my missing pieces. And as a team, we are just excited to relaunch. We are thinking of No Wrong Way as more of a lifestyle brand, you know, No Wrong Way to travel no wrong way to do fitness, no wrong way to, you know, have beauty. And so like, we're excited of this next venture because it just allows for like so much more content to be given for the people by the people. And so, and that's relaunching June, June, June. It's like right around the corner. It's It's crazy. The fact that it is in June blows my mind currently (laughs) because I think we work so far ahead in the future that I'm always like, wait, it's still this what other month. month? <laughs> yeah. Well, I shot Mother's Day with my daughter like back in February. Yeah, so like exactly. the fact that we're like only just starting to like approach that as a reality <laughs> is we have a very warped mindset. We're yeah. always a couple months ahead. The fact that it's May right now, I'm like, what? I've been yeah. done with May for it's also, a month at least. <laughs> it's also like so cold in New York, so it's super unfair. That's we're like, true. Let's, well, let's we live in LA, so I'm like, where, oh, where am I right now? That's cute. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to a really true. odd May over here. Like it's freezing. It's freezing and rainy. Be nice tomorrow. Our conference, of course, it is. So, there we go. Because we're bringing it us. here. Yes. We're bringing it exactly. Bringing the sunshine, girl. Exactly. Please. So you're launching in June. Complete new um, rebrand new as website. a lifestyle. All the um, things. So when I started, it's so funny because I was obviously coming here. I wanted to like make sure I like knew everything and like went back and did all my research and like listened to old like episodes from your podcast. Aww. And I laughed because like. There was something you were talking about, about a domain, you know, and like .co or .com. But like if the domain name is like really important to the brand, like make sure you like splurge on it. And so like when I started, like I'm a single mom, right? So like I bought, I think originally it was there's no wrong way to be a woman.com. And I was like, that works, but that's really long. And then I bought no wrong way movement.com because I couldn't get my hands on no wrong way.com. It was like some person who had bought the domain and was trying to sell it for like a gazillion dollars. And I was like, I am a single woman trying to make a change in this world. I am not about to spend all my money that I can use to like heal yeah. on the domain. So finally I bought the domain. Oh I like God. finally got it. It's oh no wrongway.com. I'm yes. so stoked because everything, like all the stars finally aligned. Like everything I've worked my butt off for, my team is together, the website is right. Like I'm just like four force coming at you. That makes me so happy. Um so when you know kind of planning out the rebrand so much goes into that like so much my head spins for you so how did you kind of get a grasp on everything with the site what was like your vision what was like the hardest thing you came up against oh I think the hardest thing to come up with is I mean obviously as a model I've been it's always like someone's producing for me, right? Someone's telling me what they want, someone's telling me the image they're looking for, what the final result will be, and I will find a way to make that, to create that for them. But doing this, it was very much like, you know, before it was my idea, what I wanted. But in this space, it was like three people in charge and how do you fine tune everyone's beautiful ideas to like a collaboration that makes everyone proud. Right. Um, and that's something a little bit new to me because yeah. it's always been me. You know, in my household, I'm the mom, I run the ship. Yeah. In my business, you know, if I couldn't do a job, it was, you know, just no, I, I'm not available. And when I started in a wrong way, it was like, no, my handwriting. And so like, this is the first time that like, I, I really like found- pride pride and like working it with a team of people that I know were like up to the same mission you mm-hmm. know and so that was like challenging mm-hmm. and also really cool when we finally like saw the visual of the website and like all were like obsessed with it and like okay oh, I mean it's as little as like fonts you know yeah. no the simplest know. things like take a million hours and one of the girls that we're working with lives in Canada so we flew her in for the week and like we had like what felt like camp yeah <laughs> no wrong way camp, camp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go um and that was a lot of fun because I haven't had a chance to do that very much in my career yeah for anyone who hasn't designed or I feel like redesigning a website might even be harder than designing from the start. It it's is very possible. An un, it, is a, it is a huge undertaking though. Um, but it's so much fun because it's yeah. like your baby and then when it like all makes sense and like yeah. even when it does it, you're still like thinking and you're inspired by like everything. You could be taking a walk, you know, around New York and you're inspired by some sort of crazy color coordination and you're like, oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. just about like finding a way to like allow the world to inspire you. So where do you go for inspiration? Everywhere. 
I feel like everywhere, you know, when I'm feeling really like low, I call my grandma and I'm like, hey, let's just chat. And somehow she always finds a way to like reignite my like fire. Yeah, you've mentioned um, her before. She's like, yeah, super. she's kind of like an important part of yeah. my like whole world. Um, but my daughter, like those are like, you know, the young and the old, you can learn from the from the older and like you can also learn from kids so much. so much. And like sometimes I just sit and watch her play video games and she's all into Fortnite right now and like into skateboards. And she's such a different kid than, than I was. And I'm like, so like enamored with her. Like yeah. I stare at her sometimes and I'm like, just watching the way she moves and dances and talks to her friends or like just goes through her life is enough to like inspire anyone. No inhibitions. Too. Yeah. It's just like- just pure is... freedom. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of freedom, kind of want to pivot to social because I feel like, especially with what you do, like social has been- is such a big player in models these days in their careers. So what is your relationship with social? How does it make you feel? Do you do it mainly for work? Do you have like, are you like a scroller right. personally? Uh, I have such a love-hate relationship with social, as I'm sure most people do. Definitely. I do remember when Instagram started for us as models. Um, it was a really tricky journey because I think a lot of the agents wanted to control the content that you put on social. Interesting. And I remember many times, even like when I started using my Instagram as as a strength mechanism, right? Yeah. Um, and started posting on retouch pictures, I had a lot of people question my judgment there, right? And like, should you post those pictures? Because obviously clients are posting images from campaigns you've shot and like your stomach doesn't look like that. They're retouching it. So like, do you think they're going to get upset? That was mostly what I heard. Do you think you're going to like offend anyone or make someone upset? Are they going to be, you know, are you going to lose jobs? And I was like, well, if I lost a job, then it wasn't for me. So like, yeah. that's fine. But I felt the need to be as authentic and transparent as possible. Like I couldn't, and I talk about this all the time because I I don't think people realize, you know, a lot of the times you hashtag, you know, woman WCW or hashtag body goals or hashtag, you know, all, all these things and they're meant to be empowering. But if the person you're hashtagging is using, if you're hashtagging an image that has been Photoshopped to the nines, like then, then what's the goal here? You know, right. what are we actually feeding our generation. And so I started posting all these unretouched images and like, you know, had a lot of like back and forth discussions with agents about whether or not that was the right move. And like, obviously it was because like, maybe not at the beginning, right? Like it right. was a little scary, but yeah. eventually it led to campaigns and we did the swimsuits for all unretouched. And we did, you know, Target did a really cool campaign with my daughter and I unretouched. And, you know, we did Lane Bryant unretouched and it ended up in SI. And so it's like, yeah, while like, being the first might be really scary and intimidating. It's almost like if you know you have to do it, then you already know the answer, you know? And so I feel like I women crave to. it. Like, oh, I just wish oh God, everyone would be so more much real. Better. Yeah. Like, it's so silly. People think that these Photoshopped images are what people want and like what you're needed to look like. Yeah. And it's the most absurd thing because like I find, at least on my page, the more real I am with a picture, the more people comment on it, the more it makes people feel good, the more I can like feel it creating a difference. Yeah. So what are, do you have any regulations for like who you follow or just right. even like yes. time spent yes. on? Like I, I have, can only spend this amount of time on. So like I feel guilty right now because the mute tool has come in really handy. Like I don't want to <laughs> like unfollow people because that's rude and right. it's messed up how like we have thought of that as rude. It, it's really not. Right. But like so many times you run into these people at work all the time and I'm like, well, yeah, I might not be interested in your like everyday activities. Yeah. And like maybe you're someone that's like super wonderful to work with, but like I may not be like inclined to listen yeah. to your rants. It's only really harder for you, I think. So like I've started As muting a bunch of people. And so like right now what pops up on my feet are like dogs and <laughs> and that one account crazy bitch problems. And oh my God, I just want to laugh. I just want to feel good. I want to look at puppies. Like yeah, I it's look such at compare and despair. Quotes. You're doing it right, I think. <laughs> and I don't scroll often. Like I feel bad. Like I have friends of mine who be like, girl, did you see what I posted yesterday? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I did not <laughs> see that. So can you tell me about it? Text me, share with me. Have a conversation. I don't know. And so like I'm not- person who sits and scrolls for hours like I do get caught in that every once in a while mm -hmm. it's always in the mornings yeah before I've had my coffee and my brain is in a fog yeah but once I'm up in Adam I'm like I post I, I DM but that's it yeah you know? 
That's good. And I do check all my other DMs too. Oh, wow. I've gotten really good about that just because I find that sometimes there are people I like knew from middle school or elementary school that want to reach back out and it's not that like creepy guy. Yeah. So I've gotten better. Do you answer the haters? Like, do you spend any time there? You know, it's it's such a double-edged sword because on one end, it shouldn't bother you. Like people are going to say things I that are going to offend you, obviously. But right. like, is it worth you taking energy or time out of your day to like respond back? Like, no, no, not for me. Like, that's not like my thing. Every once in a while, I might get sassy, but you must have caught me like maybe one glass of champagne in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gotta now we know. just one. <laughs> but like, to be honest, I don't think it bothers me that much because I, I need not look at that one nasty one when there are 10 wonderful people that deserve like a heart back for saying something kind. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Put effort wherever is due. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we kind of ran through those questions so quickly, but I do have some hot fire questions okay, for you. So these are just like yeah. little quick answers. I also <laughs> listen to J-Band's podcast. So every time you say cute, I'm like, I like, <laughs> cute. <laughs> it's so funny because he's been my best friend for so many years now that like when there are things that have, you have similar mannerisms as right that. but because like I'm always around him and so I didn't realize that these were mannerisms that I had picked up until like the show came out and then people started like like doing memes of him and then I was like wait I fucking say that and I'm like <laughs> I was like oh god when did that just like happen but he's we're, like the sweetest person and so it's easy to pick up those things that just make you feel joy yeah because like that's he what does he does make you feel joy. That, I he listen to his podcast on the way to work and I'll go into our all hands meeting someone will say something like about an update of like the e- like emails and stuff and I'll be like cute <laughs> <laughs> I found myself saying it around people who like genuinely don't understand what I'm saying yeah. I'm like well that doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> yeah. like you're saying cute to like the most like obscure thing like how is that possible but like I'm so glad it you understand it is cute <laughs> <laughs> I say it so much it's really like it's be- might be becoming a problem but it does it gives me so much joy because yeah. it relates back to something that it just it always stems back to that it's like how do you sprinkle a little happiness around people yeah. He's like definitely like found that. He is like, that. And I love his podcast because I'm very curious. I'm a learner. I'm a reader. I would like go to school forever if I could. Right. Or just like be a librarian and read all the books. And he, I learned so much on his podcast. And then Honestly, everything, all like, his responses are cute. So I'm like, oh my God, this is the best of both worlds here. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like, he's like that. Even if you go to like lunch with him, like he's yeah. the sweetest because it doesn't feel that I'll be hanging out with him. Whatever random day that I feel like my brain goes into over overload because yeah. he is giving you knowledge. Like yeah. that guy has like, just like, an endless pool of knowledge and wisdom that he and the world are ready for. And yeah. so, um, I mean, I'm that's how I felt sitting here friend. with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honored to like get some of that, like one-on-one content yeah. and knowledge, but like he's, yeah, he's special. That's exactly what I was going to say. So are you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. So question, questions, I, I get very distracted. Oh, um, okay. So, so these are quick answers. Okay. Ready? I'll try. My okay. What's your biggest professional pet peeve? Oh, oh, laziness. Laziness. Like it really bothers me. Like I've seen models actually like extend their foot out to the stylist as though they've never put a shoe on in their life. And I'm like, you know, like we're working as a team here. Yeah, yeah. Don't be lazy. Like if someone's moving a chair and you're not doing anything, like can you help? Yeah. Is that possible? There you go. Sorry. Oh my God, this was supposed to be quick. No, that was good. Ah! That was good. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So you walk into a meeting. Uh Hugs or handshakes? Hugs, always. I'm so Spanish. Okay. <laughs> and a kiss. You get a hug and a kiss. Oh, there And you if go. I'm feeling really sassy, two kisses, mm-hmm. if I hear an accent. There you go. Um, little black dress or power suit? I love a power suit. Oh, there's something so sexy. Guilty Instagram follow. Oh my God, I think I said that right. No, so crazy. Oh my God, now I can't even remember her name. Oh, crazy yeah. Girl Problems, I think Oh, Crazy Girl Problems. Or Insta okay. Single. I mean, girl, if you need a laugh, that those people also there's this one shit model management like I don't know if anyone else follows it like if you're a model out there and you want a real good giggle that is really like really specific to our industry yeah follow shit model management I follow a similar account but for like advertising and marketing (laughs) (laughs) and it really does it's the specificity that really just nails it yeah (laughs) it's when it's really specific there's this other one called Condonasty Catering and it's like just like bad catering in our foods and like in our workloads which is especially astounding during fashion week. Yeah. That's when the the page gets real lit. Yeah. 
So what do you want your legacy to be? I guess it boils back down to like that whole thought of sprinkling joy into people's lives. And, you know, in that same way, I would love for people when they think of my name to just feel happy or feel empowered or feel like a bit more courage and know that they have someone on their team. Like whether I'm here or not, you know, past my journey on this planet, like I just want people to remember me as that girl who like cared a whole lot. Aww. Well, I'm glad we get to be a part of oh, that and spread thanks. that message because I know that's definitely how people feel. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Of course. Ladies, self-care is big business. While we're working harder than ever before, we're also working to take care of ourselves along the way. And we're willing to spend big bucks to do so. At Create and Cultivate's first ever self-care summit, we'll be exploring the world of self-care from business of wellness to how the modern working woman turns off and disconnects after a long week in the office. If you're ready for a day of panels, keynotes, pop-ups, crystal readings, meditation sessions, and so much more, everything you know and love from Create Cultivate, head over to createcultivate.com to grab your tickets for the first ever self-care summit in Los Angeles on July 20th. We'll see you there. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.